0: of SyrupCast. This is a very special edition. Uh, I am joined in the same room for the first time by uh, my three illustrious colleagues to my right, uh, owner of Mobile Syrup and BetaKit, and uh, the best site in the world, Inside Timmy's, Yes. Ian Hardy. How are you, sir? Very good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Across from me, Patrick O'Rourke, the man uh, on his way to Barcelona for the first time for Mobile World Congress. We will get to that in just a little bit. And uh, senior editor at Mobile Syrup, and also frequent guest of CanCom podcast hosted by our sister site BetaKit.
2: Yes, I'm lucky enough that they, they let me show up sometimes and
0: hopefully say intelligent things. And to my left, Igor Bonifacic Bonifacic Bonifacic, thank you, yes. Bonifacic. there we go. Bonifacek, it's only been about 30 seconds and I've butchered your name, I'm sorry.
3: Huh? Worst things could happen. Senior Pretty editor,
0: Mobile Syrup, writer extraordinaire. Also beta kit editor. So we're in the the same room for the first time. We apologize uh, if this is not the ideal microphone setup, but uh, we are improvising. We have moved into a new office. And it's big. It's awesome. And there's a beautiful coffee maker
1: for those who drink coffee or tea.
2: Yeah, the coffee maker made me start drinking coffee again. Yeah. Just because it's free and it's there. I just can't not do it. Mm -hmm.
0: That's a good reason to start drinking coffee. Microsoft, uh, Microsoft McDonald's does that every once in a while right mm-hmm. yeah when they give away the free coffee yeah, yeah. I'll cool. have none of this Tim Hortons for life sorry uh, okay so um, usually Douglas and I uh, go right into basketball but I think we're going to forgo that this week
1: <laughs> why the, the NBA all-star games this weekend
0: that's right maybe, maybe maybe so was a taxi strike maybe we can start there that, sure. was, that was an unplanned uh, <laughs> diversion uh, we can start there uh, with with Uber uh, and the taxi strike. Yeah. Um, it's going to be bigger than last time. So what happened last time? Well, me- remember that guy, that one of the taxi
1: drivers was on University, mm-hmm. and he started chasing the guy in a Honda or whatever yeah, I down the street, yeah, the yeah. video, um, which is bonkers because he dragged him like 15 feet.
0: Yeah, and that didn't do much for the reputation of the taxi industry. I think it made it worse. I definitely think so. But uh, right now, the uh, Toronto City Hall has promised a unified bylaw that takes into account both ride-sharing programs and services like Uber, Mm -hmm. as well as taxi companies. Uh, And this strike, Mayor Tory says, is not going to make this go any faster. Mm -hmm. So... Do you think it'll have any impact? What do you, what do you think? Does, does this, you know?
3: Um, if anything, I think, you know, we'll just see the, the continued kind of erosion of um, the city's regard of uh, the taxi companies that operate within Toronto. Um, I mean, you know, as Ian pointed out in his article, it's a really busy weekend. Not only is the All-Star Game happening, uh, but there's also going to be the, ironically, the international or the Canadian International Auto Show. Um, And it's the long weekend, so most people are going to be looking to get, you know... Out and about. Yeah. Huh. How many people take a taxi? Do you you
1: guys take taxis here? Or do you take Uber? Or do you take public transit? I take public
2: transit, and when I do need to, like, if if that's not an option, I take Uber.
1: And when you uh, take a taxi, do you feel different now that you use Uber?
2: Not really. I mean, I... I try to avoid taking a taxi at all costs just because it's so expensive. And, like, when we were talking about the article, um, what I think is going to happen with the strike is just more people are going to dislike taxis more than they already do. Like, I see this as just frustrating people more than um, uh, proving the sort of point that they want to make.
0: So there's, you know, a relationship that many city dwellers have to their taxi companies. Uh, In cities where Uber's banned... A lot of people are resentful of these taxi companies. Uh, we're in a sort of unique situation in Toronto where taxis are you know, ubiquitous. They're everywhere. You still see them on the streets at all times of day. But Uber has chosen Toronto as a launch city for a lot of its products. Uh, Uber Eats um, launched here in earnest uh, last year and has since expanded. Uh, we have now Uber... Um, Uber Pool, which is now the default selection for uh, Uber Uber, uh, Rides, which allows you to share your car with up to um, two more people uh, for a 30% discount. And Uber Hop, which is uh, sort of a TTC alternative for certain parts of the city where, um, you know, like in Distillery District, in uh, Liberty Village, people commute to the downtown core, and those are, uh, you know, four or five bucks a ride. So these are, I would say, disruptive services that go beyond just offering a single ride to a single passenger from point A to point B. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree. And there's also Uber, Uber kittens, Uber puppies, Uber poutine. Uber
0: poutine.
3: <laughs> we don't have Uber poutine,
1: though. No. Maybe, that, maybe, was a, maybe that, maybe that was not here. That was the uh, cupcakes. Uber, Uber cupcakes. cupcakes, that's right. But but it is disruptive. For the people who use it, it's completely disruptive you Daniel introduced me to it when we went to an LG event last couple of years ago Yeah, and I left there and I paid about a, obviously I paid about a third using UberX and I went in taxi but what I love is the convenience of it because you get a receipt mailed to you or in your email you know who's picking you up you know what car you have <clears throat> Excuse me. and it's way convenient and I feel when I get into an Uber I feel I can have a conversation with the driver It has a more personable experience. Plus they give me water, they can charge my phone.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a full service solution. It's not just a ride. It's not just a taxi. I agree, yeah. Yeah. And yet the argument is that Uber is denying taxis, the taxi industry, revenue that they would otherwise have access to.
1: So do you think that it's a taxi's fault, how they operate, or that they're just slow to adopt new Mm -hmm. technology?
0: I think it's both. I think that they've been slow to adopt new technologies, but I also think that Uber offers a value proposition that goes far beyond just just rides. And I think a lot of the the rides that Uber picks up would have not been taken as a taxi. Many people would have found other ways of getting there, but the the convenience of Uber, the uh, the the discount with Uber uh, over a, a regular cab in Toronto. Uh, is huge. I mean, Toronto's cabs are some of the most expensive in North America. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: I don't know if any any listeners are you know also listen to the ninety nine percent invisible podcast. Uh, this week they covered uh, uh, the natural ice industry and how that fell out of favor in favor of uh, like ice from your refrigerator. And in some sense, this feels like just the natural progression of these kind of services where Uber is going to supplant taxis uh, just because so much of its offering is vertically integrated and so much, so more advanced than what the taxis have even yet been able to muster. Uh, you know, they've, they've been really kind of uh, bullish about the apps they've been able to push out in the last couple of while, in the last little while, but um, just the offering, is not really there for me? Yeah. There is a back taxi app now, yeah. now isn't there? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, so that's actually an, an interesting aside. Today, uh, February 9th, Beck updated its Taxi app to allow automatic payments, which means that for the first time, Beck's app is an Uber, direct Uber clone. You look in the app and it's designed almost exactly the same. It now offers automatic payments through PayPal and credit card and automatic tipping. Mm -hmm. So this has become... Um, you know, a a goose chase where every other cab company is trying to get to where Uber was two, three years ago. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Uber's already way beyond that. They offer Uber Pool by default now, Mm -hmm. you know, idealistically saying that it saves, you know, it's it's an environmental impact that it saves on gas and, you know, ensures that all the cars that are on the road um, are full. Mm -hmm. But it's also much cheaper, and I think that's why people started taking Uber in the first place.
3: And, you know, like one of the issues I think the taxi cabs are going to have to continue to contend with uh, is that, you know, I've talked to, and this is especially a problem with, you know, that a lot of women in the city face is that some taxi cabs, depending on how far they want to go, the taxi won't pick them up. And that's something that Uber obviates because you the driver is connected to an app that automatically dispatches them and finds them customers, right? So distance is really never an issue. And I kind of feel until the, the taxi cabs really, you know, they're uh, the law states they have to pick up anyone. But ask anyone in the city of Toronto or any other city, and I think you'll say that you know the law really not only is it hard to enforce, but it really isn't enforced. Um, and that's something that taxi cabs, I think will have to really get better at before they fix their reputation in this city specifically.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point because from Uber's perspective, the um, the customer is in control of when the transaction begins. When I mm-hmm. press call on Uber, that's when the transaction begins and then the, the uh, driver accepts my request. Whereas with a regular cab, that it's the other way around, mm-hmm. right? It, it's only, the transaction only begins when the cab driver turns on the meter. Mm-hmm. So until that happens, it doesn't matter where the cab is. Yeah. right? And there was a situation last year uh, at Music Nightclub where a woman was shot uh, trying to hail a cab, and she couldn't get one because the cabs wanted nothing to do with the people leaving the nightclub, mm-hmm. and she was a, an innocent bystander. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a really good example of uh, of a time when Uber... Uh, is is both a, a safety advantage yeah. as well as a technological advantage.
3: And you know, this is not to say
0: that Uber, you know, is by any means perfect. You know, they've uh, you know,
3: I've read of Uber uh, drivers, you know, of women having issues with Uber drivers as well. Uh, but that in this specific case, it's where it's markedly better than the competitor. Yeah. And
1: Uber is not perfect. Have you seen their new logo? <laughs> it's <laughs> a pretty bad logo. Their it's great. new logo. Travis, what were you thinking? It's not a progression. Yeah. It's more, con- it's, it's more confusing than anything. What, what I really loved about the old Uber logo mm-hmm. is that it had a big U on it, but it felt, the brand felt classy and you were getting into something, an experience. This new direction, which is all about data and the people uh, and this chip sort of thing. Um, confusing to me from a brand perspective, but the experience doesn't change. It's just the brand is a little bit different.
0: Speaking of brands, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about another company that's been in the news this week, uh, BlackBerry. Uh, we broke this story on Mobile Syrup uh, last week. Douglas Soltis wrote the article uh, about layoffs in Sunrise, Florida, where BlackBerry employed 75 people at a manufacturing plant, as well as in Waterloo, where purportedly the majority of the some 200 layoffs or... BlackBerry says it's 200 altogether, so that's about 125 in Waterloo, but we've heard a much higher number, up to Mm -hmm. 1,000, that most of them were affected in the devices and BlackBerry 10 divisions. Mm -hmm. Uh, This kind of goes along with comments that both John Chen and his executive team had made in the last few weeks about how Android really is the future of the company's devices, and by pairing back those two divisions, they can really focus on what their uh core competencies competencies are going forward which are services software and the enterprise Mm -hmm. uh so let's talk a little bit about that what um what is your opinion patrick on on whether blackberry's direction even even in focusing just on android uh you know whether that's the right move or whether they should just cash in their chips right now and just shut down the whole thing so
2: one of the one of the things is like, have they discussed the Priv's sales, in terms no. of like so that that's that's my thing. Like, they've they've tried this Android experiment. Um, I think they need to sit down and evaluate how successful, it was, how successful it was, and whether or not they need to push forward with. Like I, I know we did a story a while ago with a different, um, uh, like a mock up of another Android device that could or could not be actually a legitimate uh, BlackBerry upcoming Android device. Um, I think they sort of need to. See if that's the direction that things need to continue in, or just work on the services that they're good at, like the BES 10 security stuff, as well as QNX. Like, yeah, I've, I've used QNX before and in vehicles, and it's awesome, and I think that makes them a fair amount of money. So, I, I don't know, it, it's hard to tell right now. Like, I, I, I don't think they need to continue with BlackBerry 10. I know that um, Chen made a statement relatively recently saying that the company is still committed to it. But obviously, these layoffs are an indication that that's not the reality of the situation. Like things are going in
3: a different direction. Yeah. In, in some way, this means uh, to me seems like they're just going to keep the bare minimum needed to support uh, BB Ten. I know, like Chen said in the past, like what's really important to them and the reason why they didn't want to abandon uh, BlackBerry Ten altogether was that they had these uh, clients in you know the government sectors, in military sectors that really relied on you know, the so-called unparalleled um, uh, security uh, abilities of BB10 to um, for their needs. Um, And, I mean, it's not clear to me whether they'll be able to service um, these clients anymore that are so important to BlackBerry's bottom line. Um, And on a side note, you know, what's really sad is I think I read somewhere that the original designer of um, Blackberry Messenger was let go yeah. in the process, um, which I think in some ways is just such a you know, poignant um, mark on how drastically this company, just, or this company has just left a really important part of its history behind in the last couple of days. BBM used to be huge, like everybody yeah. used
2: it, and even when it launched on Android and iOS there was sort of a resurgence, everyone was downloading it, you heard mm-hmm. people talking about it again, but that died out pretty quickly. Um, because so many other services yeah. do almost exactly what BBM did. Just, right? I mean,
3: one of their neighbors, Kick, yeah. built is building an entire, you know, very wealthy startup or very wealthy company on the premise of BB10, right? Or sorry, uh, BlackBerry Messenger. And Ted, Ted
1: Livingston, CEO, was at BlackBerry mm-hmm. on the Messenger team. Mm-hmm. And they got sued by BlackBerry yeah. for... Taken proprietary information from them. Mm-hmm. So, do you think BlackBerry will be a will get rid of the hardware and just focus on all the security and software? Eventually.
3: I mean, it's, Dan, do you want to?
0: Well, I, I don't think it'll disappear immediately. I, I've been asked many times whether by this time in 2016, BlackBerry would even make phones, and mm-hmm. the priv proved everybody wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, not only in its quality, but in the fact that it exists at all. Mm-hmm. What I've heard is that they have toyed with the idea of shutting down the hardware division many times, and they've held on to it as this representative of the ideal BlackBerry ecosystem, where both hardware and software live in harmony, and that they can mm-hmm. show off all of their new you know, core security features in Bez 12. Now they've integrated good technology into Bes 12, these Good Technology was built on the premise of um, enterprise mobile management for iOS and Android. So the Priv is a perfect canvas for growing that side of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, we've learned, Patrick, you wrote about this a few weeks ago. Good was on its last legs financially when yep. BlackBerry purchased it, and even employees at the company had no idea that it was about to be purchased right from under them. So it's not like the EMM business was super profitable for even one of the core leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hard, co- it's a hard business, and BlackBerry by consolidating is removing one of its competitors, building in certain uh, parts of good that it didn't have its on in, in Bez twelve, uh, and it's also shoring up uh, its Android and iOS support, mm-hmm. which is important because going forward, their BlackBerry ten market share is basically under one percent worldwide. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they're going to shut down devices, I think it'll. we'll have to see in a couple of quarters what uh, Priv sales have done. But based on uh, the previous Q3 2016 fiscal numbers, they only uh, recognized revenue from 700,000 phones. 700,000 phones is fewer than pretty much any other publicly traded OEM that, that divulges numbers. HCC no longer divulge. They no longer give guidance because they're also in a really... Hard way, but when we're looking at leaders like Apple that shipped 75 million iPhones a quarter, or last quarter they did, mm-hmm. you know the idea of um, BlackBerry's hardware division being sustained by 700,000 phones—it's not realistic.
3: And I would also add, you know, there's not much space for the smartphone market to grow at this point. I mean, you know, a big uh, point with the Apple earnings was it was their greatest quarter ever, yet uh, iPhone growth was. Think shipments grew by 0.4 uh, percent. Yeah, not much. Not that was much. really small. Yeah. So, yeah, this is I think it for
0: Blackberry devices. Perhaps it's tablets' time to shine. <laughs> Bring back the Playbook. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, we can't forget that Blackberry 10 and the Playbook are all built on QNX. Right. Mm-hmm. The core yeah. is still QNX, and, and that is a big part of Blackberry's future. Mm-hmm. They're in 60 percent of infotainment systems in North American cars. So mm-hmm. there's no question BlackBerry... I mean, people who ask whether BlackBerry is going to survive or you know die out by the end of this year, they're not looking at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Just because they're not a smartphone vendor doesn't mean that they're not going to exist. right? right? They're not Nortel. They're not going yeah. under. Uh, they might be Nortel. Who knows? Right. But,
1: but Black, BlackBerry also has a tremendous amount of patents.
0: They have a lot of patents and they have a lot of money. In they bank. have about $1.6 billion in cash just sitting there. So... They can bail themselves out uh, of a, for a couple of quarters, but we've uh, we've seen that cash pile dwindle from about three billion a couple of years ago. All oh, went to Thorson with his golden parachute. Well, we know how much John Chen's getting per per year. He's the highest it. paid CEO I God bless him. <laughs> uh, so, I think um, you know if if we're if we're talking BlackBerry, um, you know one of the. One of these stories of uh, minor resurgence, uh, you know, we, we want BlackBerry to do well. Uh, we also um, want to talk a little bit about another company that we are desperate to do well in order to lower our, our phone bills, and that's Wind. Mm-hmm. So Wind got purchased in December, or um, it was announced that Shaw uh, Communications will be acquiring Wind, um, when it's approved uh, sometime this year, for $1.6 billion. That came as a huge shock, I think, to everybody in this room. Yeah. <laughs> I think we yep. can all agree. That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now that it's sort of settled, what what are you guys thinking? Uh, we've gotten a lot of questions about this, whether Shaw will mess it up, whether they'll just make wind into another, you know, rebellious, as people like to call Rogers, Tell, and Bellis, Bell and Rogers, Bell and Tellus. Even I can't say it right. Rebellious. (laughs) That's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah, Igor, what what do you think about this? Um,
3: Well, I think, you know,
0: this was best, I think, stated
3: by a commenter on one of the, I can't remember the specific story and I can't remember the specific commenter, so I'm sorry. But, um, you know, they said all these companies are in this business to become incumbents. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the fact of the matter is Shaw is here to create value for its know shareholders and that means you know making money from subscribers so uh, you know I certainly hope in you know obviously Daniel you talked about in the short term it's going to be really important for them to kind of differentiate but how they're going to do that is maybe charging a bit less than the competitors while they build out their network but I think you know in selling you know their media section you know this is Shaw's game plan
0: and it's to become one of the big four now. In provinces where there yeah. aren't four, yeah.
3: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1 dot com.
0: Um, carriers already. So mm-hmm. we reported first, I must say, last year, that um, Rob, Rogers, Telus, and Bell were increasing prices across the board on every single mm-hmm. uh, plan. That was then followed by Videotron, by uh, SaskTel, and MTS. But those three carriers, Videotron, SaskTel, and MTS, are significantly, charged significantly less already than Rogers, Telus, and Bell. Those are considered in many, uh, in their home provinces, not discount carriers, but um, value alternatives to the big three. Mm -hmm. And what it happens, what it does is it suppresses the prices of the big three. Mm -hmm. The difference in a 10 gig plan, for example, between Rogers in Quebec and Rogers in Ontario is about $50 a month. So it's clear that we do need. The presence of Wind Mobile. This was one of the Harper government's biggest wins, if it's going to you know call it that, in uh, regulating a fourth carrier in every province. But what it ended up doing was pushing out Public Mobile to Telus and mobilicity to Rogers by allowing these two transactions. Uh, it forced Wind into a position where it was the only competitor. It needed capital. Mm-hmm. And it needed a stable partner. And Shaw, being a communications company, one of the biggest in Canada without a, a wireless brand, in retrospect, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But Igor, as you said, they, didn't, they don't have any intention to keep it as a discount brand. And even Brad Shaw in the press conference, the day they purchased Wynn, said that, yes, eventually we're going to need to provide value to our shareholders.
2: So something I'm curious about, how does that affect current Win? customers. Like if I'm a Wynn subscriber right now and Shaw's going to pivot the brand to being the same in, in the same price range as Rogers and Bell, does that mean that if I'm a Win customer, my plan's gonna go up or is are those kind of changes only going to affect new customers?
0: So there's a couple things there. First of all, Wynn doesn't do contracts. So technically there's nothing that says Wynn can't mm-hmm. overnight increase the plans of all of their postpaid customers by X. The reality is that they can't do that because they don't have an LTE network. Right now they operate a 3G network in the five cities that uh, that they run, and they just finished upgrades to their 3G network in Vancouver. They're rolling out the same to um, to Calgary, and I'm assuming it'll just go east from there. What What happened when Rogers purchased Mobilicity is that in order to be approved by... Um, By industry canada they were required to sell off some of that spectrum to wind Mm -hmm. so wind ended up picking up 10 megahertz of aws spectrum in the west in vancouver and um, british columbia vancouver and and alberta as well as uh, in manitoba and saskatchewan they then turned around and sold the that spectrum in saskatchewan and manitoba because they don't operate networks there so mts and SaskTel picked up some extra extra bandwidth and what they were left with was the same amount of spectrum across the entire country right so they have 20 megahertz of aws1 in vancouver um, edmonton calgary toronto and ottawa Um, now they're in a position where they have a lot of aws3 spectrum Mm -hmm. and they're planning on building out an lte network with that with, that, with those airwaves. The problem is that no phones right now support AWS 3. It's a new standard. It was only ratified in October, mm-hmm. which means that until the Galaxy S7, which I highly doubt will have the, these, or maybe even the Note 6, you know, it won't be until the end of this year that phones will support this new spectrum. And that means that WIND can't officially launch it, even if they have the hardware on the towers until the end of 2016.
1: So it'll just be a marketing play for them, saying that, hey, we launched LTE, but no one can access it?
0: Yeah, I mean, remember how Bell and Rogers launched their really own soft, LTE? Yeah, they, had those, they had those They those sticks, yeah. and those were the first LTE devices. Oh, the rocket sticks? Yeah, same, yeah, because those are much easier and cheaper to manufacture, so those LTE bands um, were included in those sticks much before they came to smartphones. Wow. Because at the same time, LTE was... More power hungry back then. Mm -hmm. So, all the phones on LTE, if you remember um, the famous example of um, when Sprint launched its WiMAX network uh, with the, I think it's the HTC, what was it? Some Evo 4G, I think it was. That phone had three hours of battery life on its best (laughs) day. But its internet was really fast. It was so fast if you weren't moving. But I think we're going to be in a similar position where only a couple of products will support their LTE network. And then over the course of 2017, it'll come to every device they own. But 18 months from now, we're in a position where WIND can offer a substantial network. By then, wholesale roaming rates will have been regulated. So we'll know how much Rogers, Bell, and Telus will be charging partners to access parts of the network where they don't own their own infrastructure. And we'll be in a situation where even if wind is only 10 bucks a month less than the incumbents, it'll still be enough for people to go, okay, they provide decent service with LTE speeds uh, in most of the country, in the cities that I live in, it's f- super fast, and they have much bigger data buckets, I'm going to go for wind.
1: And we already or, know. Or will it be Shaw wireless? Will, will the brand change from wind mobile to Shaw?
0: Yeah, that could be. Right now, uh, when, when Global Live purchased uh, the remaining stake of wind Mobile from... Erascom. Um, from... No, Arascom's uh, Vimplecom, which mm. purchased Erascom in 2011. It's all so convoluted. They purchased the rights to Wind, because Wind is actually... It's a brand that's in, in many other parts of the world. So they could save some money by just, you know, changing from, like, uh, whatever, coffee time to, like, okay. you know... It's, it's coffee time, or it's coffee moment, or whatever. The coffee
2: yeah. time. Yeah, it's
0: something that's uh, slightly, you know, similar. But uh, I mean, they could they could do that. They could they could certainly change the win brand. I don't think there's a lot of consumer um, sentiment there that you know would would miss it.
1: No, it just it just the the win brand might for some be known as a as a discount wireless, and if they're charging a little bit more when they come out and expand. It's probably easier from a brand perspective to say, hey, we're Shaw Wireless now, and this is who we are.
0: Well, mm-hmm. I mean, why don't they do what Rogers, Bell, and Telus have done, where they offer wind Chatter. as a franker, flanker as a, as a flanker brand, as a discount 3G brand, yeah. and then offer Shaw Wireless with LTE using the wind infrastructure that they've built over the last six, seven, eight years.
1: That's a good. You should get a percentage every time.
0: I should. Like a, a royalty from Shaw. You listening, Brad? <laughs> so, I mean, th- there's increasingly a gulf between the, the price per month of a wind plan and something like Rogers, uh, an LTE yeah. plan. We keep hearing from people who stick to wind, who love wind as a brand. Are you guys fed up with, you know, this... Th- there's no middle ground. You either get a really cheap plan with terrible quality, you know, um, connection, or you have to pay 150 bucks a month to get, you know, what we... Have in our on our phones like what's the solution?
3: I think unfortunately, in some ways, there is no solution in Canada specifically just with how our um, wireless market is structured and what it is specifically. Like in the states, um, you know, there's T-Mobile and it has its wireless base. It has more than uh, wireless subscribers than all three major carriers in Canada combined, and that gives it a lot of flexibility to kind of do these really maverick things like introduce um, the plans it did in the last couple of uh, years. My mom's just blanking at the moment. There's,
2: there's some really good like share plans that I yeah. see pop up
3: on Hulu when I'm watching it that I'm like, I wish that was in Canada, <laughs> right? But they have the subscriber base to do that and my fear is with another like big carrier in Canada that subscriber base between all of them is just going to become even more segmented between the four of them and they're not going to compete on price as they've done in the past and they'll continue not to compete on price and it'll just be you know what they advertise will be like hey we're tell us we have better customer service hey we're bell we have lte advance um and that's really your choices is do you want better network speeds or better customer service um at a hundred dollars a month no matter what I mean, like the discount brands like Kudo are
2: always slightly cheaper than like TELUS is the parent company, right, obviously, but it's still not like that happy middle ground. We're talking about where there's a significant discount. Like if you compare the same TELUS plan or the Kudo plan, there might be like a $5 discount or something like that, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely not where it is in the U.S. for sure.
0: And we also, you know, we're in this industry and we hear about it every day, but a lot of Canadians don't know That Fido is owned by Rogers. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. Yeah, Yeah,
2: like uh, I, my girlfriend just switched plans. Like she just switched from Bell to Kudo, um, and she actually had no idea that Kudo was owned by Telus. Mm -hmm. That that was news to her. So I think that's something that the average person has no idea about. Mm
0: -hmm. And you know whether you could construe that as deceptive, you know, um, advertising or marketing practices aside, I don't think it is. But because they're operated in many ways mm-hmm. as independent companies yeah. mm-hmm. um, any discount you get from those flanker brands is the same throughout so Fido um, matches any increases from Kudo which matches any increases from Virgin the, the same way that you know it happens with their parent companies mm-hmm. and the same thing recently happened where um, Virgin increased their plans by $5 what happened the next couple of days Kudo and Fido followed so these are not discount brands in any way. Yep. Fido has actually admitted that Chatter is its discount brand, and that Fido is going after millennials. Mm-hmm. They don't want they want postpaid, high ARPU customers the same way Rogers does. They just want it. They just want the the you know single or you know early to mid twenties you know couple who wants a cooler brand. Um, they but, want their Spotify subscription. That's on why they the had that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: that's why I had they had that agreement um, with Vice News to do that exclusive, yeah. like
0: Daily Vice. Yeah, Daily Vice. Daily yeah. Vice. Yeah. Oh, and the, at the end of the month, uh, Vice Viceland. ViceLand is launching, um, hundred million dollar partnership with Rogers, Rogers Media. Yeah.
1: Hundred million dollars ViceLand, twelve twelve point billion on
0: NHL. Yeah. Yeah, they're just throwing it out there. They're living, living the dream. And uh, Rome, like home, just expanded to more, uh, more countries. So good branding. Yeah. Um, where do you guys think you wanna wanna talk a little or, bit mobile World Congress.
2: Congress sounds good. Let's do that. Yeah. See you, Patrick. Yeah, uh, I'll be down there. It's gonna
0: <laughs> open the door. <store. laughs> I'll just leave right now. Yeah, I'll start walking. <laughs> start walking to first. How somewhere. long would that take you? So what, what are you most excited about? I know that you know, you're, you're heading to, to Mobile World for the first time. Um, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful city, but we know a few things. We know two big devices will be announced there, Galaxy S7, LG G5.
2: Yep.
0: What are you most excited to see?
2: I think I'm most interested in seeing um, what Samsung does with the S7. Uh, we had that story that went up yesterday where we got our hands on a leaked image that kind of looked like it was plastic. We had a little bit of a discussion about it, um, whether or not it was actually plastic remains to be seen and whether or not it was actually a legit image also, we're not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to check out the S7. Um, I've always enjoyed Samsung's devices. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they continue, continue with the edge. I know a lot of people like that phone, so we'll see if they continue with that, um, and also the G5. I like the G4. It was one of my favorite phones of last year. I think it had some de- design flaws with the button on the back. There's also some other weird button placement in terms of the, the volume. I think that was on the back as well. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if they continue with that direction, because that kind of made the phone stand out, for better or worse. We've also heard some cool rumors about the G5, too, mm-hmm. The the, the like, accessory module thing. That keeps popping up. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Uh, LG is also supposedly working on its own um, VR headset because everything Samsung talks about, LG does as well. So I'm I'm, I'm excited to see that as well.
0: Yeah, I th- I think um you know we're we're hearing a few things about the S7. We're hearing yeah. uh, they're bringing back the micro SD slot, and I think a lot of that has to do with Google's revamped uh, implementation of external storage on marshmallow Mm -hmm. it can treat sd cards as built-in storage so if you get a fast enough micro sd card it basically just adds that amount to your core storage Um, whereas before apps had to treat the sd card as a separate entity they're also um, bringing back the or rumors to bring back the waterproofing from the s5 which is really neat um and they're, they may move to a USB Type-C port, which, you know, is, it, that would be timely, but, uh, you know, we've seen it already in devices like the Nexus 6P and 5X. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're going to have a huge battery, a battery capable of 17 hours of video playback, which seems absurdly... I don't know if I buy that. That. Yeah. that full brightness, too, yeah, 17, yeah. 17 I don't, hours I don't of video buy playback? That.
3: No way. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not sure if we published it yet, but uh, they're also apparently baking in some kind of, uh, always on uh, the displays, always on functionality. Um, anyone who's used the Moto X, you know, will know Moto display is really a game changer. Um, and it, in some sense, it's weird that it's taken Samsung this long to kind of build this functionality into their flagship lineup because, um, they obviously, you know, source their own, uh, super AMOLEDs for all their phones. Um, and, this is something we saw in the Note 5, you know, you specifically mentioned that in your Note 5 review, that one cool feature where you could kind of, it was like you were writing on uh, on a blackboard in some sense. Um, yeah, that was actually really, really well done. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, anyone that's used the Moto X Play will know, or any Motorola device in the last couple of years uh, will know how like great that kind of functionality is. And I'm really, you know, on a, on a kind of small note, just really excited to see how they implement it.
0: Well, I mean, going along those lines, we've kind of reached an apex of, you know, maturity in in the smartphone market. You know, the Galaxy S6, in my eyes, doesn't feel like an old phone.
3: Not at all, yeah.
0: You know, when the Galaxy S6 came out last year, the S5 was... It already looked like it had aged a a full year. Mm -hmm. But this year, we're seeing devices keep their... um, their value longer Mm -hmm. and Apple's had the same problem where it's talk years are are a little bit more difficult to 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 promote and people were somewhat disappointed in the additions of the uh, iPhone 6s in that you know the camera was improved but not by not that much Mm -hmm. Uh, 3d touch hasn't proved to be this blockbuster feature Uh, so you know it's every every company struggling to innovate um, mm-hmm. year over year but i also think that uh, especially in canada with the weak canadian dollar people are looking to cheaper phones and mm-hmm. we always give way more coverage to the s7s than the you know s5 neos of the world but uh, or the a7s or whatever you know they're they're launching in the mid range but increasingly those are going to be the phones that people care about in the real world because the flagships are Four, five, six hundred dollars on contract. Sometimes that's a ton
2: of money to drop on a phone, especially if you're getting it outright.
0: Totally, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So even even on a contract, you know, the carriers are only willing to subsidize about five hundred dollars. So you know, you basically take that outright cost, you chop off five hundred bucks. If it happens to be a twelve hundred dollar phone, you know, you're looking at seven hundred bucks outright uh, up front, and that's a lot of money, especially when in Canada we don't offer these uh, these devices. plans that you, you can add a certain amount of the phone's value every month to your bill mm-hmm. and pay it off over two years. And then at the end of that two-year period, that price is lopped off the end of your plan and you pay whatever, 25 bucks a month less. Um, you know, carriers don't seem to be willing to, to do that. So we're kind of stuck in this, uh, in this old world way of, uh, of contracts. So will people be more apt to get
1: the Galaxy S6 while the Galaxy S7 is launched at a discounted price, and say this phone is is has everything I need? The design is still spectacular, it's premium. I know the S7 is out there or S7 Edge, but I'm going to go with the Galaxy S6 because it's a hundred bucks.
2: I think yeah. a lot of people are going to do that, especially those that might not necessarily care about having like the latest tech, the latest processor, the latest everything. Um, if the phone looks cool, which, like, the S6 is a great-looking phone, yeah. and I'm sure even with the launch of the S7, like Daniel alluding to, it's still going to look like a great phone. And if it's, like, $300
3: cheaper than the S7, the average person's going to pick that instead. I mean, and we were talking about it on our Slack channel today, but, you know, the S6, to my eye, I think still has some of the best optics on a smartphone uh, camera, um, and you know, I think that's going to be really for a lot of people. Sure, it might have that bump, but if it can take great pictures, which it does, um, you know, people are going to buy this phone up if it's a lot cheaper.
0: Yeah, we saw, you um, know, there's a couple of good examples of that. We saw the iPhone 6. We heard um, from a lot of store managers that the iPhone 6 was the best seller during Christmas over the 6S because it was discounted so heavily, uh, often $100 on contract. That $99 price point is the sweet spot yep. of what people are willing to pay up front for a phone. Mm-hmm. So we're you know, whereas the S6 right now is $250 on contract, that may drop to 99 bucks on contract, and that will continue to be a great seller for Samsung in 2016. Uh, and, and then even beyond that, we're looking at devices like the LG G3, that had a second life at carriers like Fido and, and Kudo, since they were able to offer it for free on a two-year contract. And we may see that happen down the road with the uh, the S6 or the you know the S5 even, which I think is ninety-nine bucks right now. So Samsung's products are moving in a more Apple-like direction, where they're just discounting the older models and uh, letting those live on longer.
3: I will say, you know, one of the rumors we've heard about the S7 is that it will carry a Qualcomm chip. Um, And I I know like a lot of people after the A10, um, you're maybe somewhat reticent to trust (laughs) whether, you know, the A20 is going to be a winner. Um, And I have a feeling this, the Exynos chip chip that comes on the S6 will maybe age better than some of its uh, Qualcomm
0: uh, peers. Mm-hmm. Um so I uh, I just wanted to um uh, also um make a quick announcement. This will be the last time that I'm I'm hosting the Syrup cast. I'm very uh grateful to to my co-hosts who are going to take over the reins for me. Um hopefully keep the show alive. Uh it's been it's been a lot of fun. This is uh our 57th episode and uh hopefully uh you guys can get that to 100. It's been my great honor. A million or a million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you guys laughing? <laughs> the never-ending podcast. Yeah, yeah, just one big
1: ongoing podcast.
2: Livecast. Just, just, just live stream the office. Just just put a microphone in the middle. That'd
1: be awesome.
0: Yeah, we're moving the podcast to to uh, Periscope. All day. All day. All day. <laughs> Sorry, Twitter. That's a lot of bandwidth. Yeah. Um okay, so uh thanks very much you guys uh for for tuning in. Um where can everybody find you on the internet, Ian Hardy?
1: Uh on Twitter, uh Inkblot ca i think it is.
0: Inkblot C A and uh Mobile
2: syrup You can find me on Twitter uh, at Patrick underscore work and all my content on
3: mobile syrup
0: And what about you, Igor?
3: I'm at Igor